If you want a great conversation with a Philadelphia sports figure you should know more about, listen to one-on-one with Matt Leon on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In-Depth. I'm Matt Leon. The most recent public hearing of the Select House Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection was full of bombshells as Cassidy Hutchinson, an aide to then-President Donald Trump's chief of staff Mark Meadows, testified under oath. It was alarming and captivating, and we wanted to talk about what we heard and what it means, so we caught up with Ben Berger. He is an associate professor of political science at Swarthmore College, also executive director of the Lang Center for Civic and Social Responsibility. We had spoken after the first handful of January 6th hearings. We talked about their effectiveness, their presentation, and it's interesting. There had been a couple since we talked, and then lo and behold, they announced 24 hours beforehand they're going to have Cassidy Hutchinson, who was an aide to the former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, who was going to be the person talking. A lot of people were worried that by rushing this hearing out, that the committee was setting themselves up for high expectations they weren't going to be able to reach. And uh, boy, I think they reached them and then some. It was uh, it was a compelling day of testimony we saw from that young woman. Absolutely was. She is something like a media darling right now in terms of her poise, poise under a lot of pressure and ability to recount things, to make sure that she was telling things in her words and making it clear that she things were being relayed to her. And yet what she put together was a very, if not damning, at least provocative and compelling narrative. And this is a person who most people didn't know who she was, but given her position, given where she was literally physically located in the White House, this is a person that saw just about everything and had connections, it seems, to all these different areas of Trump world. That's right. I mean, you're hearing some people in the Trump orbit right now who are trying to discount Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony, calling her things like a glorified secretary. Of course, that's not true. But even if it were true, first of all, secretaries are pretty fat, fabulous. Anybody who's worked with administrative assistants knows that, how important they are. And their proximity, even if she were that, for their proximity to where the action is, makes them both indispensable and the repository of a lot of important facts. Right. And so she was important and is important to the testimony right now. We were talking the last time about whether history repeats itself or echoes. And I was suggesting that maybe history kind of rhymes or half rhymes. There are things that are resonant to the past. And that day six or, uh, testimony was one of the half rhymes at Watergate because of the resonance with White House aide Alexander Butterfield, who was the first person who brought up the Nixon tapes and did it inadvertently really wanted to remain loyal to Nixon and was talking with his wife, apparently, and said they did not want to have to go on record with anything damning. But the way that questions were phrased by another Republican, Freddie Thompson, led him to led people to realize ah, he's, he's got something here. He's talking about some kind of recording. They pushed it further and they were then able to get him under oath talking about the Nixon tapes. Sadly for Butterfield, it really did hurt his career. And that seems not at all implausible for Cassie Hutchinson, at least in terms of a governmental career. But she was brave and went out there and gave some very compelling testimony that, like with Butterfield, nobody was expecting to come out. It was the recollection. It was also, for me, kind of the even pace of everything. There was not 
She didn't get too high, didn't get too low. Everything was stated very matter-of-factly, attributed where she had heard things. I don't want to say it was airtight because we weren't there, but this was not someone grasping at anything. This was someone who had talked a lot about this, had processed what had gone on around her, and presented it quite well. That's right. And also, as to credibility, it seemed, there have been a few people, including Trump himself, who have called her a social climber and said she's looking to gain from this. It's really difficult to see what someone like Cassidy Hutchinson could hope to gain, especially if she is as loyal, as she says, to Republican circles, how that's going to work out, because there's so many opportunities for uh, vengeance. And Trump has already shown that he has gone and taken vengeance on many people who have gone and testified against him in different uh, circumstances and ended people's careers. So she puts herself, I think, really at a lot of risk for doing it. And I think that, to me, increases her credibility. She might have other opportunities, but it's totally plausible that they would not come within Republican politics. And that seems to be something where, where her heart is right now. What were the things that jumped out to you as far as the important things she pointed out, the important things she brought to light or the important things that she confirmed? Well, let me start maybe with what I think is actually less important and yet which has become a subject of controversy. And that is the issue of Donald Trump allegedly lunging at his Secret Service driver and putting his hands out and putting his hands on the driver because he so badly wanted to go to the Capitol. And that is something that afterwards, so you have Tony Ornato, White House, I guess, chief of staff for operations, but was also a secret agent, a Secret Service agent. And he was the one relating the story to her. Another agent was there. Engel was there. So there was talk right afterwards, well, they could go up there and testify and confirm this. And then there were leaks saying that the Secret Service was ready to testify against this, to, to go and counter this account of Cassidy Hutchinson. And so you had some people in the Trump circle, the Trump orbit saying, aha, do you see, this is going to show that actually she's full of it. But those, what those leaks say is what they really wanted to jump on is the allegation that Trump reached out and tried to grab the steering wheel and that he laid his hands in the driver. They're not contesting what is a much more important thing, that he wanted to go to the Capitol and was very angry that they wouldn't take him to the Capitol. And you put that together with what she's also talking about him having knowledge that his own supporters, some of them were armed and being unworried about that and wanting them to be let through the devices that scan for that. Those things together are much more important, I think, than the thing which has become this sort of flashpoint what I consider a deflection, this question of whether or not Trump lunged towards the steering wheel. I feel like the Cassidy Hutchinson day of testimony really kind of cut a wide swath across people who had to acknowledge it, it didn't look good for the former president. I feel like this really kind of made an impact of how the story is being centered. Well, you know, on day two, Fox News deciding that they needed to actually air this stuff. That was one big change when they realized that, to, that if they were if it was going to be out there anyhow, and maybe people wouldn't watch live, but would watch it in snippets, would hear about it on Jimmy Kimmel and so on. Then they wanted to air it so at least they could spin it the way they wanted to spin it. That was one change. And then in addition, let's let's put out there as a bookend, as the last stage that we've seen so far, Cassidy Hutchinson and her really, I think, fairly compelling and charismatic testimony. But also in between there, so many days of Republicans and loyal Republicans going and testifying about various things that were negative for Donald Trump, people who had donated 
to Trump in 2020, who had voted for him in 2020, and now who were, who were legislators saying that he was twisting their arm, saying that you, know, you heard about the whole Georgia election thing and, and, and the tape as well there. So the fact that it was so many Republicans, that also got through, I think, to a lot of Republicans. This was not simply an echo chamber of Democrats. It wasn't simply a witch hunt of Democrats, but it was actually Republicans doing the talking. And in a sense, I feel like what these particular committee hearings have done is to go public, but to go public directly to the people and not have the intervening variable of media involved, where you could have Fox News or anybody spin it. But now you have Bill Barr talking directly to people and all the different, and Ivanka Trump talking directly to people too. And that makes a difference. So I would say that, and then going forward to your Cassidy Hutchinson, that particularly compelling testimony also does have people listening. And you had the Washington Examiner, a very conservative and I think respectable newspaper, having this editorial just the other day with saying that Donald Trump should, this should, this should be it for him. He shouldn't be allowed a position of power before, again, because he's shown that he's not fit to serve. And that's, that's powerful. Another thing we heard, and this is not new, but it was once again kind of pushed to the forefront, is Cassidy Hutchinson was asked directly about people asking for pardons. And to me, that's pretty damning that people were proactively asking for pardons because usually if you're, you, you don't ask for pardons if you don't think you've done anything wrong. That actually becomes a really important thing to me because there is an attempt, I think, that Liz Cheney would very much like to see happen of Republicans taking the party back somewhat from some of the more extreme Trump populists who seem willing to ride a cult of personality, seem willing as well to do anything, whether it was extra constitutional or illegal. So basically, the Trump strategy seemed to be one of two things, either um, heads I win, tails you cheated. And that strategy, Republicans as well should want to back away from because it could be used against you. And so I think this attempt to also tie Republican Congress people into those who were both offering to help overturn election results and as well asking about pardons, too, is going to play, I'm going to guess, an increasingly significant role. Another thing that was interesting and disturbing at the same time was they closed this hearing basically talking about messages that witnesses had gotten that had a very kind of almost mob-like quality to them. Like, the boss knows you're going to do the right thing in your testimony tomorrow. It had a very much, it rang to me like, boy, this is a beautiful restaurant you have here. Be a shame if something happened to it. And I think that was something that was a shot across the bow of the people doing it, that we are aware of it and we're going to, we're making it public, but also brings people to the next hearing because they want to hear more about that. That's right. Well, that would be something like witness tampering. That the tricky thing is that it's not usually Trump himself who's saying those things. They're just sort of veiled things are coming from other people. And there's always plausible deniability. But it's been a repeated thing that we've heard. It's usually not Trump doing it. But otherwise, it's one of those things that absolutely could be witness tampering. I think we're going to need to look for what potentially could be things that stick. What are this committee looking to make stick? Now, maybe if there's new evidence, They'll go and make witness tampering something like that would stick. But my guess is it would be one of the two things that were they were tried to establish early. And that is either the fraud by trying to raise a ton of money for an election defense fund that actually was non-existent at the time. They raised $250 million, much of it which was funneled into Trump businesses, as well as into Trump's own war chest. It's been said now that he's sitting on a hundred million dollar war chest. Well, how do you think he got that way before the election started? Right. So that could potentially be a fraud charge. 
obstruction is a, is a potentially big one. If it can be shown that Trump was told by so many people that he lost the election, he couldn't just say, well, I, you know, I didn't know or I believed otherwise because he was told by so many people. Obstruction or fraud, I think, are more likely if any charges are to be brought than anything like witness tampering. We need to step away. We will have more with Ben Berger right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. And we are back on KYW News Radio in depth, focusing on the January 6th hearings and talking with Ben Berger of Swarthmore College. I have to admit, before these hearings started, I thought they'd be interesting, but I was very skeptical that we would see people get charged, you know, whether they go to jail to be determined. But I thought, I've kind of done a 180 on that now. Uh, I am not convinced you will see it go to the highest levels, but I think there are a lot of people that have been shown to be in real legal jeopardy. And if the Department of Justice was kind of hesitant to push too far on this, I think what's been shown is almost so overwhelming and, and so damning that the DOJ would actually, it would be harder for them not to pursue what are your thoughts on that? Because I'm pretty confident now we're going to see a not insignificant number of people face some pretty serious charges. You know, I would love to see it happen, not because I hold something against this party or that party or anything like that. I think when you have this much widespread bad behavior and really disregard for the Constitution, something needs to happen. I've just lost a little bit of faith that there will be criminal consequences to most involved. It's, it's funny the kind of similarities here. Again, the half rhyme with Nixon, the committee to reelect the president, Creep, the aptly named Creep. There are things like that here with this. It's, it's Steve Bannon's old strategy of flooding the zone with, if you put so many allegations out there, eventually people won't be able to sort them all out and it, you know, it'll go our way. And you see that happening with this. Put so many allegations of fraud out there, it'll be difficult to figure out which is which. And all they'll remember is, well, there's allegations out there. There must have been fraud. It's a terrible a blow to the Constitution. There is one more thing I see that the, this committee trying to do, and, and they may do it for the history books and yet not for any particular policy it takes effect. It's possible that history may remember it a certain way, and that could be a success, but that it might not actually affect one party badly one way or the other. And that is, you know, I don't want to go down this path of saying everybody these days seems to accuse the other party of being like, fascists or being like Hitler. Obama was accused of having brown shirts by some conservatives. And you've had people calling Trump like Hitler and Mussolini early in his, his candidacy and presidency. I just want to say this as a broad thing. I'm not even going to pick the totalitarian. Totalitarian regimes throughout history have had this thing, which is a, an ideological fiction. And it's set by the leader and it can change day by day. And it's all about loyalty to the leader. And if you go against it, you are going against the state. You're going against the truth because the leader is the truth. That is something that has come out here where Donald Trump and Donald Trump's followers have basically, I mean, Trump, everything bad that comes out of, again, against him, he said it's fake news. It's a fake allegation. It's not true. Everything. So what he's really saying, like Louis XIV in France is, I am the state. I am the truth. I am the law. Well, look, if you want a king, there are other countries that have that, right? The goal here is to act presidential. And it's really astonishing and really sad that there seem to be a bunch of people out there who still actually want that king. 
And that's what Trump is offering. But I think it's super important now to put this narrative out there that the committee is doing to say, actually, here is something that has been historically disastrous, this kind of ideological fiction that's tied to one leader and one person. We need to reject that. We need to move on to regular politics. And then whether or not you like the outcome of that regular politics, at least you're within this known field of the rule of law that's made the U.S. special over time. There's still several hearings to go. There is no reason to think they will not continue to build a case, continue to fill in timelines, continue to tie things together. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes in the future because it's already been so explosive. That's right. I mean, that's another half rhyme or, or echo of Watergate, which is that they went on so long there. The new things kept getting uncovered. So this was going to be done in six days, we will thought they were saying, and it was going to be relatively short and there will be a difference with Watergate. And yet now we're hearing that they are still digging and there's different things they'd like to bring to light. There's other people that could that are you know talked about. We'd like to have this person talk to us, that person talk to us. The thing is that we're going to see some people's loyalties tested, whether they're loyal to Donald Trump or to the Constitution and the broader party. So we're going to see what happens with who's willing to testify and who's not, and whether there's a kind of a gravitational force and a momentum that gathers that when a few people testify, a few others might. If only they were able to say, we have tapes. And so if you testify and say the wrong thing, or if you don't testify, we've got something that's going to approve your guilt in this or approve perjury or something. Well, they don't seem to have that. And that's a difference with Watergate. Most people agree that Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, wants to run for president. But it's kind of being coy. He wants Trump to kind of be off the stage before he comes forward. You think as these go on, we could see, even if it's just kind of a whisper, but people realize where it's coming from, DeSantis to try to push Trump off the stage and and clear the runway for him? Well, as somebody who generally says, I don't like making predictions, I get the logic of what you're saying for sure. And I absolutely could see people trying to start some kind of campaign, whisper campaign, something to expedite things. I would be surprised if it came from DeSantis's camp because he stands to gain. When Trump is out, he does not stand again if he is seen as being divisive. And people are already turning against Trump. Eric Levine, longtime GOP donor and fundraiser, recently said that big donors are concerned that Trump is the one Republican who could actually lose in 2024. That seems kind of right to me. Like for all the stuff, I might sound like this outraged person who just like hates Trump or something. Any Republican out there listening, guess what? I actually think your chances are great in 2024 and beyond right now. I think that if anything, Republicans are not going to suffer very much at all as a party in the long term from all this. They could actually gain if they ditch Trump. I could see Trump potentially losing if he turns off enough people who either vote, but don't vote for the presidency. They vote down ballot, but not for the presidency, or they stay away altogether. But otherwise, you know, Biden is very unpopular right now. The Democrats are in a lot of trouble. A lot of people, most people seem to think that the Republicans will gain seats at the midterm election. And look, you know, with Watergate, Watergate didn't really hurt the Republicans that much. They really didn't get hurt, the Republicans. And I could see it very much the case. They don't get hurt now if they move away from Trump. So I think that there are others out there who will want to move things away. I just don't see there's no point then in DeSantis doing it because others will do it for him. And if he stands to the side, he could be seen as looking kind of golden. That's my call if I were to make a prediction, which I hate to do. I don't know how it plays out and I don't know how you avoid it. But if Trump's not the nominee, 
he is going to make life a living hell, I think, not for the Democrats necessarily, but for the Republican nominee that is taking the spot that he wants. I think you're going to see a lot of Democrats who are so relieved if the Republicans move away from Trump and if Trump kind of gets his or at least is rebuffed by a lot of Americans. Donald Trump did so much to move the goalposts of accepted political behavior so far out to one side that you're going to have a lot of Democrats and independents just breathe a sigh of relief if this kind of ends with Trump being rebuffed and say, oh, all right, well, then if we just get some regular conservatives like Liz Cheney and Mitt Romney, all right, then we can deal with that. And that's going to be a big win for Republicans if that happens. So the Democrats are going to be worn out. And I could see some really progressive Democrats not turning out in the coming elections because their party is not progressive enough for them. If they think their party is too centrist, that's happened. We've seen that. And I could see some Republicans being energized by their party if it's not Donald Trump, you know, out there kind of making them look bad. So for all these reasons, whether it's DeSantis or not, and whether he's the one who tries to turn people against Trump, I think Donald Trump's the only person right now who can ruin it for the Republicans. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.